Hey everybody, long time no talk. Welcome back to another and like always, this podcast is brought to you by the Pacific Junction Hotel, the official sponsor of Girth Radio, and uh, yeah, the home of Girth Radio. Handful of new people have been listening to the show and seeing pictures on my Instagram or me sharing on Twitter, the studio space, and they're asking me, what is it? And uh, basically, the Girth Radio studio is attached to the bar, the Pacific Junction Hotel, and it's such a fucking rad environment. They take care of me, they take care of my guests, and I'm so thankful to have this space and be able to record episodes like this there. And also, this episode is brought to you by the Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival, It's a yearly horror festival. I believe they're on their sixth year. I could be wrong, but I think it's their sixth year. And our guest today has a film that is playing there. He wrote it. He directed it. He goes by the name of Ryan M. Andrews. I got to see it earlier. It's called The Art of Obsession, and it is crazy. I was so excited to actually sit down and talk to him. Throughout the episode, we talk about the film. Very spoiler-free, but uh, yeah, there's layers and layers of themes, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's it's actually really, really hard to explain, and I get him to explain it, <laughs> so yeah. He also talks about his journey as a filmmaker and kind of teaches me a bit about the business side, distribution, and just all sorts of stuff, so It's a a really fun episode, and if you are interested in seeing The Art of Obsession, it is playing this Sunday at 4.30 at the Royal Cinema, and it's part of the Blood in the Snow Festival, like I said. That goes on from Thursday till Sunday. Ton of horror movies, booths, workshops, panels, just merch, and I highly recommend that you go there if you're at least a little bit interested in horror thriller like you're gonna have a really really good time and you can check that out at www.bloodinthesnow.ca and that's it for my intro we're gonna jump right into this ryan m andrews let's go Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. I I like the fact that you have this here because there's so few things like this still around these days. Yeah. Like, I went to Niagara College uh, when I started, like, 20 years ago and took radio, TV, and film. So I did radio for a couple of years, and it's just like... It's cool that they have this. Yeah, yeah. It almost reminds me of like a very miniature version of what mu- much music used to be. Because you'll find like we'll be doing like interviews. With some people come up to the window. They want to see yeah. what's going on. And like, yeah, like that whole area, like John and Queen. It's like a ghost town now, which is it's really all weird. like gentrified and disgusting. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> I don't like walking down the street anymore. But Ryan, it's great to have you in here. Um, I just watched your movie the other day, and it was quite the intense roller coaster. But before I get into that, I want to know 
more about you and maybe like your early stages of directing or do you have like an early memory of you being like a kid and like watching a film and being like I want to make these or like you just thought of the process of making them or uh well I originally came from a writing background like when I was a kid growing up I just wanted to write stories kind of be like the next Stephen King or Clive Barker that kind of thing and you know I grew up loving horror films as well um wasn't until I was a teenager that, you know, it was kind of like, I like the idea of instead of writing stories, writing, you know, the story in script form and not just, you know, writing the, the world, but, uh, you know, transforming it into a visual by, you know, shooting it, hiring the actors, uh, you know, working with the actors to create the, the characters and, and I, you know, like I got into, uh, I've always been into music as well. Mm-hmm. So I was always thinking and conscious about score and sound design and that kind of thing. So when I first started college uh, back in 97, you know, I took radio, TV and film. And it was just kind of like taking everything I learned and wanted to do story wise and turning it into the visual medium that is film. So um I think probably my earliest memory of of like wanting to make a movie cuz I like I said I watched lots of horror films, grew up on horror, loved horror. Um but I think the first horror that made me say I have to make that was in probably I think I probably saw it in the mid to late 80s, but you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was because of the uh, the meat hook scene, you know, just <laughs> yeah. just like how that got made and how everybody thinks, you know, you see the meat hook go into the go into the girl's back, but you never see it. But just one cut to another cut, the sound design over top of it uh, to transition it and you know make you believe you're yeah. seeing what you're not really almost seeing. like the campiness of that movie made it feel real. Oh yeah, it, it felt cool. The f- whole film feels dirty, like when you're watching it. It's not like some Hollywood polished film. This is like some dirty documentary kind of thing that was made by real people in the real situation. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I noticed with uh, your film that's coming out or like it's been released, but this is the Canadian premiere, right? Next weekend. Yeah. It's the Canadian premiere. I mean, it's not been technically released yet. We're playing festivals right now. Um, Like usually when you make an indie film, you know, you play festivals for anywhere from six months to a year then after that, then you get distribution. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've played, you know, I think eight, nine times in the U.S. so far. And now finally we're playing Canada. But that's actually how it's usually with me. It's like I usually get more recognition from festivals in the U.S. I mean, yes, there are more festivals in the U.S., but usually they're more open to my kind of stuff than in Canada. So yeah, it's, it's nice, though, to come home. What I found what was really cool about the film too it uh it told like such a big story but with very few cast members and I almost didn't notice that till the credits rolled up I'm like oh there was only like a couple people acting <laughs> but like my mind just kind of got lost in like there's so much going on it was almost like uh I was trying to tell my girlfriend about the movie I just watched and I had trouble trying to explain it without also giving away like things right. so it's almost you got to go in with the vague mind to appreciate everything. And how yeah. would you describe uh, Art of Obsession? 
Um, well, I think the the quick sales pitch of it, you know, just to kind of give everybody a good visual representation of it is it's Stephen King's Misery in Reverse. You know, in Misery, a fan kidnaps a writer. In this film, a writer kidnaps his muse. Mm -hmm. So I think that alone right there tells people exactly what style of film it is, you know, what kind of film it is, what's going to happen, what's going on. There's a lot more kind of to it, like with the characters and what we want to say about art and being an artist and everything. But just for the sheer entertainment sales of it it's it's it you know it's an abduction film it's like misery mm -hmm. just in reverse so you grew up like a big stephen king fan as well uh yeah i actually was more of a clive barker fan i mean like when i was a little kid you know you know i, I think a lot of little kids never wanted to read you know it's like i don't want to read a book you know it's boring that kind of thing uh but my older brother he had a couple of stephen king novels and it was just kind of like ooh, i'm not allowed to be reading these you know like you know, you do something you're not allowed to do. It feels good. So, mm. you know, I kind of uh, looked at Stephen King's work like, you know, this is like taboo. I'm not allowed to be doing this, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you know, being the gullible little kid I was, I learned that I actually like reading. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really got into a lot of his stuff. And then when I started exploring other horror writers, um, you know, like Clive Barker's work, like Cabal, uh, Hellbound Heart, Everville, uh, The Grand Secret Show, things like that. I mean, to me, I just love that style more. It had a bit more of a fantasy feel to it, a bit more dramatic, but it definitely focused on monsters, and, you know, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's just so many layers to this film, like, storytelling-wise, between, like, all the different characters. They almost have the, all their old different motives, and they're all crisscrossing by the end of it, too. Like, I want to know, like, uh, what's your writing process? Do you have, like a set goal in mind that maybe you write down and then have the characters and try to make them meet there? Or is it something different? Or I think my writing process for every script that I do is different. Um, specifically with this one, um, I just kind of wanted to tell a confined story. Like uh, I, th I wrote it many years ago and it actually kind of comes from two different short stories. Uh, one short story was a uh, uh, short script that I wrote that we shot with Rye Barrett, uh, who's our lead actor in Art of Obsession. So we shot this short with him where it's just about, you know, the anger and frustration of giving yourself over to an audience as an artist just to be criticized as, you know, people love to do these days. Mm -hmm. Like, turn on the internet, you'll see, like, you know, a lot of people talking a lot of crap. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, so we made that. And then I had another short story about a muse, uh, a, a writer and and his muse. And, you know, both of these short stories I don't think really worked for being a feature, but combine them and, you know, this makes the perfect feature-length film. So we kind of, uh, or I kind of, you know, sat down and thought, how can I work on this? And the original concept for the feature version was just how can I do a confined story? Like I don't want to have something that, you know, requires 20 locations. Like, 
you know, I'm an independent filmmaker. Therefore, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm usually doing a lot of producing as well on the side. And it's like, I don't want to have something with a dozen extras, you know, in every other scene. I don't want to have like something where we need all these permits to close off a street. You know, I just want to have like a story about somebody brooding in their home and how can we do that? And, you know, it just kind of fell into place. Yeah, it's cool because like watching it, like even though you were keeping in between these limitations, the film itself didn't feel limited. It felt like just like very tight knit story and like characters. It wasn't like a lot of unnecessary shit going on. It was just keeping on point with the story, which I thought was really cool and impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a very, it was a very tough, uh, story to tell I think in a way because you know I'm sitting there thinking 90 minutes you know I'm, I'm used to doing stuff that's a little more fast paced a little and I think the audience these days you know they want stuff that's more fast paced I mean if you write a script and you send it to a company you know as far as horror scripts go I think it's like usually by page three there should be a death you know and there yeah. should be a death every 10 pages and you know they want to keep the story moving and the story moving and you know I'm sitting there like kind of nervous like well this isn't a very forward moving story this is a very quiet piece mm -hmm. and how are people going to take to that so it's kind of refreshing to hear people say oh yeah no I, I sat there and enjoyed it I wasn't looking at my watch half the time yeah I felt like I was getting lost into like the main character like who is this guy because like to some people he's just like the nice uncle who's always been there and then he goes up in the attic and it's like a whole different thing and it's just very fascinating like uh the bipolarness like uh dr jekyll mr hyde type thing going on which was really cool well that was definitely a lot of the inspiration i think like having conversations with rye barrett about how to play his character and what kind of character could this be compared to and you know i think you know kathy bates character in misery is a good representation, but also um, the main character in the movie The Collector, uh, the 1965 version of The Collector. Well, I when haven't I, seen it. But, yeah, when yeah. I say The Collector, a lot of people think of that 2009 torture porn, you okay. know, <laughs> Bloodbath Collector. And it's like, no, no, not, no, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the <laughs> old one. And, uh, you know, it, I th and I think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is another one where it, it's something I think everybody in one way or another can relate to because we all wear masks. You know, the way I act around my family is different from the way I act around, you know, um, people in the industry. If I go out to like a screening of a film and it's different to the way I act, you know, like when I walk into a store and everybody's different from the way they are. And it's like, who is the real Kennedy say, or who is the real Ryan M. Andrews or who is the real, any of us, you know, like, does anyone really know the real version of us? Yeah, that's really interesting, too. And, like, yeah, I know, like, when I go to my day gig, I'm such, like, a fucking different guy. And somebody even told me who listens to this show, they like listening to this because this is kind of, like, like they like listening to this during, like, their work hours because it feels like it's connecting them to who they really are, just, like, free talking, like, a bunch of people just having beers in a room and talking about art where they do, like, a very mundane, like, office job and they have right. to act a certain way, too, and... But yeah, it's important, like people like you making these type of films and shit like that, and it's, I just think it's fucking awesome. And yeah, you, it was it was really well done. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, also, I I wanted to talk about like there's a lot of themes in this movie with like just struggles as an artist. Uh, do you have any like 
epic struggles in your film career that come to mind? Like, whether it's like just feeling certain kind of pain or anything? Like, maybe not to the extreme of like taking somebody and chaining them to your attic. Well, I'm not ruling that out. Yeah, because like I don't know. There's I know there's a police officer who listens to the show. So shout out Ryan Campbell. But (laughs) we'll keep the stories tame. Well, (laughs) so he knows I have an apartment. I don't even have an attic. So there's no way I could uh, keep anybody prisoner in my home. Um. But no, I, I think it's uh, like to me, it's it's not just like I don't separate it. Life is hard. Like, you know, I, I think you know it's like the glass half empty or half full. Every there's nothing great and there's nothing bad. Everything is how you want to look at it. Yeah. And I can look at my film career, and I can look at it as half full, and I can say, yeah, you know, it has been really great because I have been really fortunate because I've made seven features. And, you know, I have been able to, like, I made my first feature with pocket change and, you know, then I got to make a feature with like $20,000 and then I got to make a feature with $75,000 and I got to make a feature with $100,000. And so it keeps moving up and I keep getting these opportunities to make these films. And so I've got nothing to complain about and I'm really happy to be able to live my life as the artist that I am because I'm able to tell my stories the way I want to tell them and... But I mean, at the same time, I can look at, you know, the struggles and the challenges and that's the glass half empty. Mm-hmm. And I think every, I think every, everybody in this city who should come and see the film when it plays a blood in the snow. Yes, it's Next Sunday. week, next week on Sunday, November 26th Four at 4.30. 30. Yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, at the Royal on College. Like, I think it's something that every artist can relate to because every artist goes through that struggle. And to me, it's like, yeah, the struggle is hard. The struggle is real. Uh, but life is a huge struggle as well. Like my life is not easy. Um, but at the same time I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I choose to look at the glass half full and Mm -hmm. I'd rather look at the positives that I have going on in my life. So, you know what? Fuck the negative shit. I'm happy to be who I am. I'm happy to have the opportunities that I have. Um, but I think when I'm creating art and I'm telling this story, I think it's something that every artist, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, whether you're a writer or a painter or whatever you choose to do as an artist, you can relate to the struggles of being vulnerable, putting yourself out there because we, you know, we do this because we love it. Mm -hmm. We do this because we like, this is what we want to be able to do. And then we put our work out there and in every other aspect of life, you know, um, it's either right or wrong. Like if you have a job and you're, you know, working at a desk and you're either doing your job right or wrong, but in art, everything is subjective. Everything is based on opinion. And, you know, you choose to do thing, do something a certain way. You could have, you know, a hundred people loving it, but then you're going to have a hundred people hating it for the exact same reason. And there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to accept that everybody's entitled to their opinion just sometimes other people are wrong yeah no that's an awesome attitude you have i find too even like sometimes as artists like you hit those low points too but they end up kind of twisting in the end and making you stronger in a way like oh man i'm so fucking strong you know because i've had a lot of those low points but you know to me it, it, it's all about how you choose to look at it and you know, I, I don't ever want to compare my life to anyone else's because everybody's got difficulties and everything. But True. it's it's that thing of what you choose to do about it. That's what's going to make the difference in the world. Yeah. 
Very true. Very true. And uh, yeah, so after Blood in the Snow and everything, are you still gonna like put this uh, film in other festivals, or are you working on something else right now? Or? Uh, both, actually. Yeah, um, nice. Like we only started playing festivals, um, like less than two months ago. Um, we've like we started in September and we played in Austin, Texas, at the Austin Revolution Film Festival, uh, which was you know a really fun time going down to Austin. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends down there, and I really enjoy that festival. I've played there before. Um, we also played in Kentucky. We also played uh, in Butte, Montana. Uh, we also um, more recently played the New York City Horror Film Festival. Cool. Um, which was really, really awesome. Uh, really great time. A lot of great uh, filmmakers there. Met a lot of great people. And, uh, you know, Brad Dorff, actually, who does Chucky and Child's Play, he was there because he was receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, wicked. Uh, so it was really nice to be able to meet him and chat with him a bit and, you oh, know, ask really questions awesome. to him and everything. Um, you know, so we've we've done all that. Uh, but really, we've only been playing for a couple of months. So things died down around Christmas. But uh, when we get closer to spring, you know, there will be a few more festivals that we'll be playing and we'll continue to promote the film and, um, you know, uh, this time next year, obviously have it released. Yeah, that's awesome. Is it tough getting like uh, a film like that distributed? Like, uh, like how? I don't know. I don't know the. I don't know the process to any of this. Like, I'm kind of like new to interviewing a lot of film guys. So, no, it's, yeah. it, it, no, it's actually a good question because yeah. it's I think a thing a lot of people just kind of assume like, oh, you made a film now you get it distributed, mm. and the reality is, uh, there is more supply than demand out there. Um, it, it's really simple. This day and age, everyone's a filmmaker. You know, ev- anyone can go to Best Buy, buy a camera, like your your phone it's can shoot 4K, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and then if you have a computer, you have editing software. So all these people are going out there making movies. And so now distributors are sitting there, you know, with stacks of DVDs on their desk. And they're like, well, I don't need all of these. So which one am I going to take over one of the others right so they'll lowball until they can you know get one out there so what you want to do is to put the ball in your court is you want to promote it you want to get it out to festivals you want to you know maybe win some awards get some exposure exactly because then if they've heard of your film they might be more interested in it um but the reality is you're still going into this uh this business where there is so many more movies out there than there are distributors to distribute them or want to distribute them. So it's not easy to get your film distributed. Um, But, you know, I mean, I've been doing this long enough and I know a lot of other filmmakers have been doing this long enough where, you know, you build up connections and you meet people. And so when you make a film, you start from day one, like talking to distributors, like, yeah, I'm working on this film. This is what it's about. This kind of thing. See what they're interested in. See what, you know, they might like that kind of thing. So then when it's done and it comes out, you already, they already know who you are and they already know your film's out there. So they'll take a look at it. Um, but it's by no means easy to distribute. Um, and also the thing is, it's like when you get your film distributed, there's like distribution works in every, like there's 50 territories around the world you sell to. Canada's just one. The U.S. is just one. So it's kind of like, yeah, my film came out, you know, in every Walmart in Canada from coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's still 49 other territories that haven't seen your film yet. So Mm -hmm. it's but also at the same time, you could have your film out in 
like 25 different territories and never play Canada or the U.S., yeah, um, which are the biggest uh, territories to uh, play in. So um, definitely, it's definitely not easy. But um, the idea is you always have to keep keep moving forward. Like, you know, you're only as important as what your next project is. So it's kind of like we already have the next film uh, ready to go. And, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. Like when we did Art of Obsession, you know, we were in post-production on Art of Obsession while I was still working on distribution on the previous film, uh, Save Yourself, which actually also played Blood in the Snow a few years ago. All right. Uh, so that came out earlier this year. And, uh, and, and again, it came out earlier this year here. You know, right? Like we're still looking to get over in Europe and everything. And, and it's, it's years and years of work, you know, because it's like you spend a year making the film. This is what I think people who illegally you know, download movies and steal movies and shit. Mm -hmm. What they don't realize is this isn't just something I do on the weekend. This isn't something like, oh, yeah, we spend a little time with some friends and we made a film. It's, no, you put your life in Yeah, it. you spend a year working on the film, making the film, making it perfect, uh, doubting yourself, throwing it all out, doing it again. And then you spend a year promoting it in festivals. And then you spend a year working on distributing it in the U.S. and North America and, and over in the U.K., and then you got to try to hit, you know, Japan and China, and every territory has different regulations for what they're looking for, right? Like, if you go to Germany, they're going to say, you know, put more nudity in it. And if you go to China, they're going to say, take, take all that nudity out, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you have to have, like, different versions, different cuts for different areas. And meanwhile, you're doing all this, and some kids already got your film, True, and it's yeah. kind of like no, this isn't just something I did on the weekend. This is like you've taken my life from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wow, it's so crazy. There's so many layers, and people like only like they see the finished product and they think like you just pulled like a switch or something, and bam, here's another button, right? another movie. And like, yeah, but no, yeah, I wish it was crazy. like that. Yeah, do you feel uh, like an urgency to stand out too, like um, with your film? Because like I noticed Art of Obsession, like even though you mentioned it has influences from like Stephen King, Misery, and like uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, like little sprinkles of stuff, but it's also like it was an experience that. I never seen like almost in a film like kind of like the roller coaster like kind of stands on its own. Do you feel like you go into writing where you're trying to do something and like have the audience member experience something new and different? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I've definitely, uh, I've definitely left my comfort zone in this film. Like, you know, when you know, I look at my previous films. You know, I have five women fighting Nazis, and I have you know zombies, and I have. You know, a killer in a mall, you know, yeah. hacking people up, you know. And, I need and, to see all of these, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Perfect. I sold a couple more then. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so I have all those films. And with this one, I definitely stepped out of my comfort zone because, um, you know, like, as I said, I'm a huge fan of horror. So one thing I like doing with my work is showcasing the wide spectrum that is horror because I don't like people that just when you say horror they think slasher you know it's like no horror is so much more than that and with this film you know it was kind of like all right let's try to you know embrace the David Cronenberg David Lynch style you know like you know really psychological thriller like very dramatic very character driven and it was very it was very refreshing to make this kind of film but at the same time, it's really nerve-wracking because it's like, well, how are people going to take to it? You know, like people want 
that really quick sale. Like, people want that, what's this movie about? It's about a girl, and there's blood. All right, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, that's what people expect to see. And when you walk into, you know, video stores, I mean, I know they don't exist anymore. You go into Walmart, you pick up a horror film, and it's got a picture of a sexy girl on the cover, and she's, like, turning into a monster, and you're, like, sold. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of what distributors look at. That's what producers look at. That's what companies look at. And I'm sitting here saying... No, I'm giving you one where you've got to actually sit down and invest time into this because it's a very artful piece. It's a very, you know, meticulous kind of brooding story. And Mm -hmm. and if you if you miss a couple minutes of it, you're going to not know what's going on because that's the way the story works. And so it's really complex how we how we've uh, approached it. And it's really like. How people are going to take to it is, uh, makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. So you you played it at uh, another festival, right? You said. Or? Yeah, we played yeah, like yeah. eight or nine festivals down in yeah. the U.S. How has uh, the audience feedback been towards it? Really good, actually. Um, like we've had great turnouts, and we've had you know, like for film festivals, some decent turnouts. Um, you know, and the thing that I always look at is. You know, whether you've got 20 people there or whether you've got, you know, 100 people there, the best way to tell if the audience liked it is when the movie's over, you know, and, you know, you go up there to do a Q&A afterwards. If people didn't like it, they don't want to stick around for a Q&A. No, no. They have no questions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to like second credits roll. They're getting their coats on and they want to run out. And if they're stuck there, you know, and somebody says, do you have any questions? And nobody asks a question. You know, that's because they want to leave. Yeah. But yeah. with every when we played New York, when we played, you know, most recently we played Buffalo and you know, we had some pretty long Q and A's. Like people were asking questions and people were asking multiple questions and you know, lots of people were like really engaged in it and like and that kind of thing. And so I thought that's the best way to gauge whether people liked it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you play a festival, if you're there, people are going to say, hey, great job, and shake your hand yeah, and yeah. smile because they don't want to be mean. They don't want to be rude. Um, so it, the fact that people are sticking around afterwards for the Q&A, the p- fact that people have questions tells me they're engaged in it and, you know, they liked it. And so I'm really happy that we've had a great response for it so far. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to playing the hometown show here and seeing how people in Toronto think, think the film is. And hopefully, you know, people are going to have a few questions afterwards because I think this is the kind of film that makes you have questions. It's, yes. Because it, it's yeah. not like, no, I got it. It's pretty straightforward. It's kind of like, well, what were you thinking with this? Or I didn't really understand that. Like, I, I, I challenge the audience with this film instead of just laying everything out like you know straightforward yeah that's awesome and yeah even after watching it i got really excited to talk to you and i'm almost like stopping myself for at, from asking certain questions because i don't want to put any spoilers but like i i could talk to you about it after but i like how enough. it wrapped up in the in the end thank you yeah, yeah i mean that's one of the things with and again i won't i'll avoid spoilers but i mean with the story because it's a artful piece and because it's like a slow brooding story you know it was kind of like i don't want to have you know the high point be midway and then it just falls off it's like the movie constantly climbs and climbs so you know the same thing with the music uh janelle bechtel was our uh, composer and you know like the the piece that she did for the end of the film is like the biggest most powerful piece of the music mm-hmm. for the entire film because it just keeps building up and building up to it's to the ending right and... yeah exactly yeah. and so 
And I was really happy with her score too, because she like had like a live orchestra that she was conducting, like do a lot of those pieces too. So it was cool to instead of just having like you know like basic you know indie music in the in the background for the score, like we had a live orchestra, violins, violas, oh wow, yeah. cellos, like playing this music, and it was like it was really cool. To oh like, yeah, put that they knocked it out of the park too, because even like it did its job, like. During that climax, I started feeling like nervous watching the movie. Like, what the fuck is gonna happen? And like, nice, yeah, it was it was cool. <laughs> but I want to go back and uh, ask you about this movie, the the five chicks and the Nazis, because I love <laughs> women and I hate Nazis. So I want to hear about these girls like kill them. Like, what's what's the movie called? <laughs> uh, the movie's called Save Yourself. And like, right. so you, you you like women, so there's your heroes, and you hate Nazis, so there's your bad yeah, guys. Yeah, I was you already know? sold when you mentioned <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, it, it's it's essentially like you know a mad scientist kind of film. Like five women are captured by a mad scientist who's mm-hmm. you know exploring, experimenting on them and stuff. And you know it's kind of that idea of this mad scientist in the background of it. You know I'm not going to go into all the details of who he is and where he comes from and everything, but it's like you know obviously he's doing these Nazi like experiments on them. So you know it, it's 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 a fun film and. You know, I, I don't make it like straight up comical, which it easily could have been. Mm-hmm. And at one time it was uh, supposed to be. It's definitely a lot more. It's definitely a lot darker. And uh, Rye Barrett, as well, the lead from this film, is in that film as oh, well. Oh, cool, cool. Um, he plays a mad scientist. Um, and it's him against, you know, the five women. You got Tristan Risk uh, from American Mary, ABC's of Death Part 2. Uh, she was our our main girl, along with uh, Tiana Nori, um, who was also in The Demolisher and uh, The Sublet. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like just great cast, a great ensemble cast that we were able to put together and have them, you know, go head-to-head with each other. And, you know, it was a lot of fun to do. So yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a fun shoot. <laughs> it was. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think every shoot is stressful and everything because, like, you have, you know, a finite you know, kind of amount of time to get everything done. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, okay, you know, we can take our time and do this, or, oh, if you don't get something done today, do it tomorrow. It's like, no, it's an indie film. Every day is full, and we don't have time to add on extra days, or we don't have a budget to add on extra days. So it's like you have a certain amount of time to do every single thing that you want to do, and it's just about time management and making sure you get, you know, get the job done and and having a strong cast like we did in Save Yourself you know, we got the film uh we got the film made in a very short amount of time. Uh I think was it twelve day shoot? Oh wow, that's pretty quick. I think it was a twelve day shoot. Twelve or thirteen days. Um but it was kinda like, you know, set time like this because we flew in actors from outside of Toronto and it's like, yeah, they leave at certain times too. So it's like this is when you're making the film, yeah. this is when you're shooting, this is what we're shooting each day. And Murphy's Law, if anything can go wrong, it will. So there was one day we were shooting at a, a theater in Oakville um, at this movie theater, and our uh, grip and lighting truck was still in Toronto. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's like, this is a 12-hour day, and all my days are 12 hours. Like, I don't believe the whole, you know, like, doing a shoot that's a 20-hour day shoot, an 18-hour day shoot, because I like telling stories about, you know, that are about people and, and characters and character-driven. And if you're pushing somebody to go 20 hours a day, day after day after day, so they're going to burn themselves yeah. out. They're not going to give you the best performance, 
you know, throughout the shoot. And so I want 12 on 12 off. You know, we shoot for 12 hours and then you got 12 hour turnaround and then we shoot for 12 hours again. And I think that's the best way you can get the best performances out of people. And so we had 12 hours at this theater. But on top of that, you know, we're shooting overnight while the theater's closed. We Ooh, have yeah. to be out in the morning because the theater opens up and is operating. So there, there is no like, oh, let's just go an extra hour. No, no let's I... just uh, we'll just shoot a little more. We'll we'll skip lunch or something. No, it's like we had a certain amount of time to shoot, and then we were done. And it's not like we could go back the next day because we had to be in another location. So without the equipment truck, it's like our twelve-hour day kind of turned into an eight-hour day. And it's like, well, we have this many pages, this many scenes, this much dialogue. How are we going to do all this? And, you know, it's like, well, you just have to know, like, okay, plan A is not working. Go to plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, there's always a plan C. And as director, you got to know plan D, plan E, plan yeah. F, because <laughs> you've got to get it done. And I think in the end, the changes we had to make because of this made the film, I think, better. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I think that's the way it doing always Doing new works. things on the fly and just kind of yeah. going with the flow. And <coughs> Oh, that's impressive, man. Yeah, Thank and it you. must be, like, cool to see it all come together at the end, too, after, like, you wipe the sweat off your brow and just like, oh, yes, we did it. We finally did it. Like, it's oh, got to yeah. be such a rewarding, like, feeling after you got all your footage and, like, okay, yes, now we can just do post-production. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which, definitely re rewarding, but post-production itself is a long... St stressful process as well mm -hmm. yeah i can find like i do like different like video editing but nothing nothing like film style like i do like a lot of like live sets people send me multi-cam stuff and even with that it's pretty straightforward but i find like sometimes i'll just be sitting like thinking like about the camera angle i'm like should i get this angle or this other angle and like yeah. but so i couldn't can't even imagine with a film with like different sound effects you can use and just <coughs> layers and layers and layers like how do you feel about the pro the post production uh, like sequences and stuff like that? Do you, do you get overly it. stressed or you have fun no. doing it? Yeah. No, I love post production. Like I love every aspect of making a film, from you know writing the story, development, pre production, working with actors. I think working with actors is my favorite part because characters are just ideas of people in my head until the actor actually brings them to life. I mean. You know, when I write a character, you know, it's like, yeah, this is the idea, but it's just a blueprint. Like, the actor is the one doing all the work, making them come to life. Um, but, yeah, with post-production, it's, you know, it's a chance to sit there and see all the footage and and piece it together, see what works, see what needs improvement. And, you know, the whole time you're thinking of, sound effects and you're thinking of score and everything but then when you work with amazing people like that's the big thing mm -hmm. <coughs> sorry it's, oh it's all good man it's cold down it is yeah cold. it's a little chilly um, in this room but no it, it's the heat up. <laughs> yeah no I, I just need more beer that'll yeah. warm me up <laughs> well we um, got that we're gonna take right. care of you right after this interview. perfect um yes. no it's one of those things of it's working with the right people. Uh, Chris Cole was the editor of, the, of Art of Obsession, and he also was one of the editors on Save Yourself, and uh, he also writes a lot with me. Like, we co-write a lot of stories as well. And Chris is, like, a phenomenal editor, and I put a lot of trust in him. If he tells me something's not working, even if it's something I really like, you know, it's, it's best to, you know, listen. Like, I, I hire people to do these jobs, like our composer. You know, I'm... 
you know, I grew up learning music and I, I love music, but if the composer says this would work better, I'm going to listen to the composer. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and uh, same with the colorist and like with the coloring in general. I mean, I have an idea in my head of what I want, but my cinematographer, uh, Michael Davidson, who is my cinematographer on my past uh, three features, uh, Sick, Save Yourself, and Art of Obsession, if he says, like, this is kind of what I'm thinking, this is his area of expertise. I'm going to trust him. You know, I'm, I'm a director. Yeah, that's I'm really not cool, the colorist. Yeah. I'm not the composer. <laughs> I'm not the, the mixer. I'm going to let people who know how to do those jobs do those jobs, and I add my input. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah, the movie it <laughs> turned out slick as fuck, man. Like, it looks awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned you're working on something now. Are you allowed to talk about it a bit? or? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. I just don't like going too deep into it because I think in in this industry, you're always working with the idea of you got to have a lot of irons in the fire, like a lot of projects on the go because you never know which one is going to go next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a lot of different projects lined up to do, um, one with the same with previously uh we're looking at doing a new feature which is kind of the exact opposite of what we just did instead of doing this dramatic brooding story we're going to do something more fun oh okay uh we're going to do more of a you know a bloody fun horror film oh cool just something else that i mean it's still going to have a very artful side to it Mm -hmm. and it's still going to be very character driven but it's it's going to be like a lot scarier, a lot bloodier, something that, you know, I just, like, I, I really want to do. And at the same time, there's another project that I'm currently working on um, with uh, these twins uh, from the city, uh, Strain Twins, uh, Chris and Katie. They, uh, uh, they're, they're actors. They just did a film, actually, in L.A. They just got back maybe a week ago. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I mean, any of your listeners might know them from... They've been on episodes of Winona Earp. Uh, they've been on episodes of uh, Todd and the Book of Evil. They're in the Carrie remake. And so we've been working on a project as well, which is a script I wrote about twins. So it just kind of works perfectly. So developing that. And then there's uh, a couple other, like, kind of more uh, more dramatic horror films, kind of like the one we just did that I've also got in development. And it's, you know, which one comes next? It's kind of like, well, I kind of know, but I don't want to say yet because I know the way the industry works. Yeah, everything's subject to change, I guess. But yeah, <coughs> I'm a new fan, so I'm going <laughs> to be you. like watching you on social media, seeing what's going on. I know Jen over here. Shout out to Jen. You've been Shout like, out to Jen. Yeah. <laughs> She's, She's been one coughing me... right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah. her, not me. <laughs> She's been hooking me up with festival passes, like fucking great conversations with you guys. And well, you got to come see the festival. Than... It's a great festival. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm not saying this because I'm in it. I mean, whether I'm in it or not, years that I'm not in the festival, I'm still at the festival. Like last year, I wasn't in the festival, but I went out to see a bunch of different films. Um, you know, I'm really proud of the horror scene in Canada and, you know, the hor- the local horror community here. I'm all, I'm always there to support. And, 
this year, you know, the fact that, you know, it opens with Jeff Sinisak's new film, Red Springs, which anybody who knows him knows he's been working on this film for a very long time, and we're all excited to see it. But we also have a lot of, or not we, but they have a lot of great short films, like from lots of great filmmakers, uh, Chris G. from Black Fawn, he's got his short film playing, um, Gigi Guerrero from Mount West, she's got a short film playing, and I saw her previous short when I was down in New York a few years ago, and her stuff is hardcore. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> the bloodiest, the most violent, the most grotesque. She probably made something really tame for this year. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, she's up. phenomenal. And like that's the thing. This uh, festival showcases the talent we have here and tells everybody here. It's like, no, you don't need to look at you know films from the U.S. or go to Hollywood to see good horror films. We have them all here. We are... We, can, we have all the technology to make the films here. We have the talent here. Let's keep it all here, and let's support each other here. Yeah, it's so true. And it's it's kind of cool, like, doing these, this show and just... My show is so, like, vague across the board. I just talk to people who are creative. So it's, like, everything. And uh, I find, like, it started off with me just, like doing the scenes I know which is like kind of comedy and music and stuff like that and I'm finding like all these different worlds and it's awesome and like thanks to blood in the fucking snow like I'm just kind of dove into the horror world which I've always been a fan of horror movies but it's cool to actually go out to like a couple festivals like and like last weekend or oh, it was last weekend or two weekends sorry two weekends ago um, I'm bad with time <laughs> but uh, but yeah I was just there and I just wanted to buy everything like but it's just like it's so if people at home are like listening and you've always like horror movies but never been, went out to one of these like you got to like in this weekend blood in the snow and you can check out art of obsession sunday 4 30 p.m am i correct on that one that is correct. yes fuck yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for coming in anything else you want to say before we wrap this up um yeah just you know come out and see that film or you know, if you don't get a chance to see that film, you know, you can check out my previous films like Save Yourself, Six Above the Night, Black Eve, uh, but not just me, man. Like, there are so many great Canadian horror films getting made all the time. Um, Brigitte and Andrew uh, from Good Soldier Films, they got a great film called Night Cries. You can buy that. Uh, Black Fawn Films, they have, like, you know, a plethora of amazing, amazing horror films. Uh, the most recent one is The Heretics, which is still playing festivals, but, you know, The Drownsman, you know, which is one of my favorites. You can pick that up. The Heretics, Let Her Out. I mean, you know, if you like horror films, you know, it's like we all are. I always try to say it's like, you know, support your local farmers but also support your local filmmakers you know that's this is the community we live in here so you know if you want to go for the maple leafs because they're your home team go with the same go with your home team filmmakers well said thank you once again for ryan m andrews for coming by i had a great time chilling with you and jen from the blood in the snow festival like i mentioned blood in the snow it's happening right now Today is Thursday, and it's going till Sunday, and Ryan's movie, The Art of Obsession, is playing at 4.30 on Sunday at the Royal Cinema. Please check it out. It is fucking awesome. And like always, we're going to end with a song, and me and Ryan, like after the interview, we had a beer, and we were talking about our appreciation for Ice-T's metal band called Body Count. 
And this song is dedicated to any film critics who want to give Art of Obsession a bad review. This song is called Talk Shit and Get Shot. Girth Radio. Talk shit. Talk shit. Get shot. Act hard, motherfucker. Get shot. Shotty, 